0: You know, if you're new to us, um, when we leave, church functions really well without us. I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron, by the way. Uh, Church functions so well without us that we come back, and then the new people are like, you know, I don't know that they really need you. I was going to say that. You do. Yeah, you do. It's mutual. Um, You know, some people, they go on vacation, and we budget hard to be able to do that, but some people go on vacation but their lives back home don't really matter. And then they want to stay there. For my family though, we're always looking forward to coming back. We need the rest because I share my family with you. And and uh, we need the rest. We just need to be able to just be together as a family and do stupid stuff, whatever comes into dad's head, you know. But we, all my kids look forward to coming back to church and their church family. Like, this is, this is our home. Our lives matter here. We have purpose. We love what God is doing in our city. So, oh, man, I, I do want to say thanks to my, uh, to my dad, Pastor Richard. Is he back there? <laughs> Pastor Richard for preaching about forgiveness. Man, forgiveness goes against your instincts, but it'll set you free. Um... Pastor Amber from Connect Church, didn't she do a great job covering the pulpit? We're just one of the churches in the area that preach the name of Jesus. And so we all sell ice cream. Um, But Venue Church sells, uh, have you been to Village Ice Cream? Okay, mix the salted caramel with the coffee. That's what we sell. Like you're new to church. You're like, church sells ice cream. It's... We're preaching the same gospel, working in the same field. We're helping the same cities. And we're uh, glad to be able to do that with other churches. And Pastor Amber is from Connect Church, and she just did a great job. So, All right. I'm all like rested up and ready to go. Uh, the sermon's going to be weird because the whole sermon series is called weird. Thank you, Sean. And this is weird. This is about odd passages of scripture and weird church people. So you're going to love it Everybody loves it when I make fun of church people Except for church people Um, But odd passages of scripture If you didn't grow up in church You're going to be shocked that some of these Bible passages are real And the Bible just recorded what happened Okay So if somebody would write a story of your life I mean you think that it's normal But if somebody would look back And look at your life And all the times that God saved you And all the weird stuff you did And people still like you, you know. So the Bible recorded what actually happened. And and I'm going to go through some of the weirdest passages of scripture that I could find um, just to to close up in in August here. Um, And then I'm going to make fun of church people, which everybody loves. Um, Here's the thing, church people. Here's the thing, church people. Church people don't like laughing at themselves. So I'll laugh at you. Here's what I would say, though. Even about this sermon topic, because when I tell you what it is, it's going to get super tense and whatever. And you're going to be like, oh, that's totally not me. And it's totally you is that if you can laugh at yourself, you can change. Take God seriously. Don't take yourself all that seriously. You know? um, you're going to like this sermon. I think this sermon is called Talking Donkeys. And you're like, I know some of them. And I'm like, I'm not talking about your husband. Uh, talking Donkeys, about how Balaam the prophet... Had his foot crushed by his donkey who then talked to him because uh, of Balaam's problem that we're talking about today. Next uh, week is going to co- be called Earth Eats People. The earth swallowed, opened up and swallowed a bunch of Israelites. And you're like, why did that happen? I would like that not to happen to me. And so we'll try to prevent the earth from swallowing them. Uh, they had some issues too. Um, the third sermon might be called P- Pillar of Salt. Um, that used to be a woman. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Lot is fleeing with his family. His wife turns around and she becomes a pillar of salt. That's weird. Uh, And then the last one um, is um, how God killed Sapphira and her husband Ananias during the offering number at church. Ish. So if you're new to church, you're like, this can't be in the Bible. It is in the Bible. If you grew up in church, but you didn't think that it actually, you know, some people, when you grow up reading the Bible, you think that it's normal, but I want to show you that it's not normal. There's some weird stuff in there that I'm going to uh, absolutely love exploring with you. Let me just set the the, the, the mood here, because the prophet Balaam, um, in the time of Israel, so Israel, you remember Israel is a, a band of slaves in, in Egypt, actually they number some millions of people, but they, they escape Egypt and they're in the wilderness on the world's longest and most depressing road trip where everybody dies. You got to watch vacation time with your family because if you don't get along in your house, you gotta go sleep in a tent for a couple of weeks. I don't sleep in tents anymore with my family. The last time I slept in a tent, I stepped on a little girl's hairbrush and I'm like, that's enough. This is a violation of my human rights. No, I didn't say that. I, why would I live like a, a pioneer? That's what grandpa did. I deserve better. All right. So this is like the world's worst road trip. They've escaped Egypt, so they think the hard part is done, right? So they escape Egypt, and then they're in the wilderness now. Now, this wilderness journey... Could have lasted, you know, historians say it, like the distance, it could have been in about a, about an 11 day journey. So maybe that's for the fast walkers. So maybe you're one of those people that take breaks all the time, you know, like, oh, I'm just so tired. My legs are tired. Okay. So like give it a month. So we're talking about like a month journey, but the Israelites find a way to stretch out the road trip 40 years and because of their issue. That road trip ends with God just being like, fine, all y'all, I'm just going to wait till you die so I can use your kids. So, that's also in the Bible. Now, um, they have one major issue. If if you could sum up the Israelites' problems with one major issue, it is the issue called stubbornness. They are stubborn. Say the word stubborn venue church. Okay. Now, if you tell a stubborn person you can take 11 days or a month to do a journey or you can take 40 years and die, a stubborn person is still going to take 40 years and die. Because they're stubborn. And stubborn people are stupid people. There's there's no good stubborn people out there. There's something inside of you that's tenacious when you've got to do something hard. That's good. But stubbornness in the way that we're talking about it is not good, it's bad. And you can be like, I'm a good stubborn person, but stubborn means bad. So there's no good, bad people out there. Does that make sense? Logic. Hashtag logic. I know logic is not fashionable anymore. Logic. There's no, the Bible equates stubbornness to the worship of idols. Remember Samuel the prophet says to King Saul, hey, uh, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. The trouble with this idol is that stubbornness makes an idol that looks like you. And worships it. Stubbornness is a worship of self. You're like, church people can't be stubborn. I'm like, church people are the worst. <laughs> and I just can't even. Okay. Um. So God basically, like 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, he's like, I can't let you out with people. I can't let you out in public, you guys. Not with this problem of being stubborn. So I'm gonna wait until your kids can grow up and be a little bit flexible. Um, Now there's a window of time to deal with stubbornness in your life. And if I'm preaching about it, can we just say that the window is this morning, (laughs) right? There's a window of time that, that Israelites can deal with it, but they don't deal with it. And then they just kind of perpetuate this stubbornness forever until it breaks them. Right? So there's a window of time and God never reveals something in your life that he doesn't want to heal. So good news, everybody but we're going to have a little work to do. Now, enter the prophet Balaam. Now, sadly, Balaam has the same problem of stubbornness. (coughs) Balaam's donkey eventually, to save his life, crushes his foot against a wall. You're you're going to see it in the... Now, Balaam is not like a prophet of the Lord, like a prophet of Yahweh, like you would think like, oh, he's like a uh, pastor or something like that. No, Balaam was what we call a mystic. Uh, The scriptures say he used magic to make money. So he could foretell the future. So Balaam is like kind of a lot of us. He was connected spiritually. Have you ever said that? You come to church and you're like, I'm I'm a spiritual person. Right? Like I'm connected spiritually. Renee's a a spiritual person. Until she met Jesus, then she realized like, oh, there's one name that I can be saved, you know. So being connected to a bunch of spirits is not great. If it's not Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So Balaam was very, he was like a, a... kind of like a, an early sorcerer or a magician or a wizard. Or, but, he, but Balaam is like a lot of us. He had an incredible gift. He was at times connected to God because um, I'm going to set the tone for it, but he actually prophesies incredibly true prophecies that he would have no way of knowing. So he has this incredible gift like a lot of us, but he's got a gift, but he's got this instinct called stubbornness. So he feels like you feel, sometimes like, hey, i got a gift. I have something to offer. But uh, if you keep that instinct of stubbornness, that gift will actually be used uh, against you. Now, so, see, a gift without a place to use it, your gift is not about you. And a gift without a place to use it, or without, can I say this, a leader who keeps you from abusing it, will actually be used against the very people that God sent you to help. Yeah. Now, Balak, the king, he's the king of Moab, he sees Israel coming and God is with them. And miracles have happened. And he's like, there is something about these people that I don't have enough warriors to beat. Like when God is blessing your business and people see it and they're like, how? This is miraculous. Miraculous. And Balak is like, I can't fight against that. So he tries to hire this mystic who sometimes speaks for Yahweh but is tapped into a lot of other weird stuff too. He tries to like fight fire with fire and he's like, I need you to curse them because I can't get them as long as they're under God's blessing. So I got to find a way to get them out of God's blessing so that I can beat them because I'm scared of them. Um, Jude, uh, the book before Revelation... Jude says, but these people, now he's talking about, you'll see here, he mentions Balaam. These people scoff at things they don't understand. I feel like the world is doing this right now. Acting like you understand stuff and then like laughing at, you know, laughing at Orthodox Christianity. Which is the only thing that historically has ever worked. I was scoffing and I'm like, yeah, read history, guys. Like, just read History. Everything that we're doing right now doesn't work. Okay. They scoff at things they don't understand. Then it says, like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. Well, that's what they're telling us to do in school. Whatever your instincts tell you to do. And so they bring about their own destruction. So so here it's like, the devil would love for your kids to identify as animals. He'd love to make animals out of people. Like, do whatever feels good. Sexually, hey, do whatever your instincts are telling you to do. To your own destruction. Like unthinking animals who only do what their instincts tell them to do. You're different. You're not an animal. You're created in the image of God. Now, um, so they bring about their own destruction. So instincts. Instincts don't tell humans to save for retirement. If you're doing that, that's not an instinctual thing to do, man. Instinct doesn't say like save your food for tomorrow. Instinct does what I did on vacation and I was on a seafood diet. I ate everything I saw. Instinct is like, eat it. Exercise is not a human instinct. It's awful. But if you think about it, you'll do it. Eating lettuce. Broccoli. Some people like that stuff. Some wrong. My wife loves it. Okay. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain. Remember, in the, in the world's worst family, the brother killed the other brother. Your kids hate each other, but they didn't have them killed each other. So you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Korah was a Levite that I'm going to, in earth, swallows up people. Korah was the worship leader. He was a Levite. He helped the congregation worship. And because he got off track... He led the people in rebellion. Okay, now, some of you, if you're new to church, you you haven't known what your purpose is yet. And we will show you. Your purpose is to help people find their purpose. And your purpose on this earth is to connect with God and connect with people. And you can't do that until you help somebody else connect with God and people. So if you're new to church, we offer purpose. If you, some of you, though, grew up in church, or you have some sort of background in it, but you haven't entered your promised land yet. So you've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And I'm going to just like, here's some hope. You don't have to die out there. You don't have to keep your stubbornness and keep out of your destiny. Because that's what it'll cost you. Now, I've known some stubborn church people in my day. But, but Jerry in my, in my dad's church growing up was the stubbornest <laughs> church person I ever met. And I know some of you. And that's saying something. Jerry was like this weird mix of like spiritual and stubborn. Y'all remember Jerry? About 30 people came with us to plant this church. Oh yeah, we know. He was on my dad's eldership board actually. Jerry was extremely spiritual, so it was kind of hard to, but he was extremely stubborn. And the reason that I mention people's names is because they have them. And the reason that I tell stories about church people is because I don't want to preach about you one day. Thank you, Pastor. We have the wisdom to see that. That is good. Okay. Now, um, Jerry would pray for like four hours a day. He drove to work two hours each way. He would pray all there and back. But it didn't matter because Jerry wouldn't give up stubbornness. He'd read the Bible. I mean, he probably prayed more than his pastors, my, my mom and dad, prayed. Extremely spiritual. But he wouldn't give up stubbornness. And it cost Jerry's family their destiny. What God put them on this earth to do, they didn't do. Because he would not give up his stubbornness. I remember one time I was leading, I was my dad's worship leader and, uh, and I was leading worship and Jerry comes into the service late and I knew that he came from pre-service prayer. Now we have a whole prayer team that's praying for you right now that come out and then offer to pray for you and minister to you after, but they sit one, serve one. So they've already sat in the first service and been a part of the anointing of God and what God is doing. And so, but then they serve. Well, back then we only had one service. And so there's no point in continuing to serve if church has started and you're not there, right? Because he was so spiritual. He was just having a really good time with the Holy Spirit out there. But he sort of missed that it. it was about. And so I saw that and it annoyed me. So I, I went and wrote on the, on the whiteboard in the prayer room, please vacate room five minutes before service. then in brackets, like, so you can talk to people that you're supposed to be praying for. Because there's no point in praying for people if you won't talk to them. Okay. And predictably, because stubborn people are predictable, next week, five minutes, two, he's in there praying up a storm. And I just walked in there and tapped the board. That was before I was a pastor. This is the nice version of me. <laughs> I just tapped the board. I'm like, hey, this is not like a suggestion box here. We need to prioritize this. Because you can pray for four hours a day, but prayer when you're humble looks like this. God, thank you. I don't deserve any of the good things I have. I don't deserve you. I deserve to burn for my sins. I don't deserve a family. I don't deserve any friends that like me. Everybody wants justice. You really want justice? I don't want justice. I, want, I, I don't want fairness in my life. I want unfairness. I want all that God has and all I got is my sin. And I'm like, hey, can I just trade you? Because I can't get there without you. And I'm just glad that I got you and glad that I got you. And I don't deserve you. So, See, prayer is like speaking thankfulness and then God speaks direction. Stubbornness. A stubborn person, when they pray, it's like, hey God, uh, is there anything you wanted to say to me? Because I got up early and showed up to church to serve. And a little thanks would be nice. And uh, here's what you can do for me. Stubborn. It swaps prayer around. Because stubbornness is a worship of self. I can tell so many stories about Jerry. Just, he was stubborn. It didn't work out. Eventually, his whole family didn't go to the church that he wanted to go to. And this man's, out, but I'm just like, it's the, it's the life that you don't want. Now, stubbornness sticks an oar in the water. When everyone else is paddling in a direction that God wants them to go, stubbornness just sticks an oar in the water. So the boat just turns around you. You got a stubborn kid? Oh, they will do this in the grocery store. I hate you. Don't touch me. If I'd have said that to my mom in the grocery store, I would not be on this earth. (laughs) From dust to dust, I brought you into this world. If I remove you, it will be doing people a favor. It sticks an oar in the middle of your entire team at work, paddling in that direction, your entire small group going in the direction. It sticks an oar in the water and just like... Um. (sighs) Stubborn people want their whole team and their whole family to be a bunch of rabbits. (laughs) Kind of like, oh, what are they going to (laughs) do? When stubborn church people shop for churches, which is totally unscriptural, by the way, you don't shop for church like you shop for shirts. Like, oh, I like the way this looks on I me. Mean. <laughs> Sorry, God thinks that the church is his and that you belong to him and you ought to go where you, he tells you to go. And you'll never pick the church that he wants you to go to because it's going to be harder than you want. Because you, you want to pick a church full of rabbits who just nibble away at the lettuce and are like, hey, like, whatever we've whatever we got to do to make you happy and stay. Yeah, you want a rabbit for a pastor, just like, hey, whatever you guys want. I just don't want you to leave. I was the most stubborn kid on earth, and God, God doesn't send rabbits to stubborn people. God sends you ready the donkey. I, I tried to run away from home one time, and I had my brother convinced. I'm like, "We've had enough of this. This is just a terrible home to live in." And he's like, "We have," and I'm like, "It's terrible. <laughs> we're running away from home, and we're just about ready to go." And my dad's like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "We've had enough." And Ryan's like, I'm like uh, We've had enough. <laughs> and Dad says, "You know what, my dad, a rabbit dad, I'd have loved some of you." <laughs> oh, you poor thing! I'll talk about how you feel. You know what my dad says? What are you gonna do about supper? <laughs> and guess what time it was? <laughs> supper time. <laughs> had the door open, and just like <laughs> walk back into the house and unpack my backpack. You want to be stubborn, God will send you the donkey. He won't send you rabbits. God has... So much I want to say. When I was like really little, not really little, but my mom tried to lay hands on me and pray for me about something. You all know my mom, Pastor Beth. They're retired now, but we just call them pastor out of respect. Well, I was not respectful that day and I had discovered that I was faster than she was. So because I felt she needed a little exercise and a little exercise of patience. I kept one step ahead of her in in front of her in the house. And she needed a little traveling music to motivate her. So I started singing from Music Machine, the song, have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. If you get impatient, you only start to worry. And my mom said words that are forever burned into my soul while God was desperately trying to turn my brain back on. I said, what are you doing? Just take whatever it is that she's trying to do. And my mom said, wait till dad gets home. And that's when my life shifted in a horrible direction for me. And God sent the donkey. Stubborn people get the donkey. Now, I was a kid, when I was two, I demanded discipline. There are some stubborn people that, like, you demanded at work. You just demanded, you're like, hey, everybody, I obviously don't like this right now. You demand, I pull discipline towards it. i just like, hey, I am upset, and everybody is going to know. My brother, he was a little quieter, though. You got to watch the quiet, stubborn people. We got any quiet, stubborn people in the house? Oh, Pastor Aaron, oh, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare she's so nice I said one time to her I'm like I don't think you got disciplined a day in your life in that home she's like I got disciplined all the time and I'm like no you didn't one time when our kids were little I asked her permission if I could share this oh now what are you going to do now you can't be mad one time when our kids were little she's like I come home from work and she's like these kids have been misbehaving and I've been disciplining them all day and I felt like the Lord said ask her what that means and I'm like what does that mean? show me what, dis- what that means I've been disciplining them all day and she shows me and I'm like but that's not discipline in fact I don't even think that they know that you're trying to discipline them I think they think that you like what they're doing gotta watch that quiet or oh, you can be quiet and stuff for a long time before anybody finds out Here's what, here's what, here's what quiet stuff, here's what stubborn people do. If I ask your spouse or your friend, what the next, if the next fight's going to look exactly like the last fight. Yeah. Oh, that shut you up. Yeah. If the next fight, you have the same fight every week, the same fight in your home about the same things using the same words. because like, stubborn people never learn anything. The same fight, you'll die having that fight. Um, Listen, because a stubborn person doesn't give in here. Or you might say it to make peace out there, but you don't really think it in here. God wants this too. God wants flexibility here too. God wants you not to admit it out there because you have to. He wants you to admit it to yourself because you need to. Stubborn person. Nothing on earth can change a stubborn person's mind, including the Holy Spirit, by means of reasons and nice niceties and gift givings. And, but don't you see that this is going to end in death and this will end in life? Nothing of that will change a stubborn person's mind because they're not using it. Like unthinking animals. Your brain's not even on on the argument anymore. You just can't be wrong. You just won't give up. Uh, That's a good preacher, pastor. You can learn by correction or you can learn by pain. And stubborn people never choose correction. But correction, you know, the, the whole point of correction is like, you know what, what phrase I hate right now? is just like, I just don't appreciate the way that they. I have a math teacher. I just don't appreciate the way that they're explaining. I'm like, you know what your parents don't appreciate is you being stupid and not understanding math. Every week you ask for more allowance, you're like, but that's not the number. This is the number and you've got to do stuff. <laughs> you can be corrected, but correction kind of denotes that you don't know something or you're not doing something that you do know. Yeah. So does anybody feel good about getting corrected? A wise person does, though. A wise person's like, thank you for saying that. Oh, I'm not that yet. You know what? You know can I let you in on a little leadership secret? Sometimes, Laden, when Laden's being stubborn, <laughs> or I sense that he might be stubborn, because we can't have stubborn people leading people because it only makes more stubborn people. Right. You can only reproduce who you are, and God doesn't want his kids being stubborn, right? So Jesus didn't walk around on the earth being like, oh, I'm the prince of heaven. I got to do whatever I want. I want to be in charge of everything. It says, no, Jesus said, I only do what the Father is doing, and I only say what he says to do. But in society, you'd be like, well, Jesus must have been horribly underappreciated. <laughs> yeah, Jesus has a self-esteem problem. So if, if, if I want to know how Leighton's doing, you know what I'll do? I'll just ask him to do something different than how he wants to Hey, Layden. hey, worship team, hey, sing this song a little different, would you? Their response will tell me if they're flexible, if they're like Jesus on the inside, like, okay. There are a hundred ways to sing a song. Hey, just send that email different. Hey, talk to that person a little different. Well, why do you care? If you're a servant, if you think like Jesus, why do you care? Hey, um, prayer team. Hey, pray pray that prayer different although prayer team is like but i pray for the lord yeah you're not jesus you don't pray perfect prayers you don't know everything flexibility the spirit's got to be able to whisper and we go flexibility you know who i learned that from the lord because one day he told me to call somebody up who I had had a conflict with and he said apologize for the whole thing and I said but you know that I I didn't do anything wrong and God said "Mm mm-hmm and then I said but you know that I didn't do anything wrong in that and God said "Mm mm-hmm and I'm like so but you know that the other person did the thing and he's like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm but I did it and I meant it and I cried on the phone And I hate crying. (laughs) And the next day, I talked to my parents after 30 years of their church plan. And I asked them if we could move it to Airdrie. And 30 years of their life in a 15 minute conversation, they said, well, if that's what God said, let's do it. See, I got a miracle. I just didn't get that miracle. I got this miracle. If you want a miracle, you just got to do whatever the Lord says, because he knows best. Why do you care? Why do you care? Numbers chapter 22. Balak's messengers. This is King Balak of Moab now. Who were elders of Moab uh, and Midian set out with money to pay Balaam to curse, uh, place a curse upon Israel. They went and delivered this message. And Balaam says, uh, stay overnight. In the morning, I'll tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So this here, he's like, because he wants the money. But r- what he should have said is like, curse Israel. Are you crazy? That's God's people. I don't curse God's people. I'm not praying about that. That's dumb. Some of y'all are praying stuff that you shouldn't pray about. If God already spoke it in the word, stop praying about it. Just do it. What are you praying about? Who are you talking to? He's not going to change his mind. You know, God is not like, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. It's your husband's fault. Uh, Oh, church ladies. If you're single ladies, the struggle is real and it's coming. Oh, single ladies. Stay here overnight. That night God came to Balaam and said, what are these men visiting for? Why are they visiting you? Stubborn people in prayer time, when God asks them a question, thinks that God doesn't know the answer. Stubborn people are always explaining things to God. And God's like, all knowing is part of my name. Like, it's literally my name. I know everything. Oh, well, the reason God, see, but you know that I didn't do anything wrong. And God's like, "Mm mm-hmm. So Balaam gives him this lengthy explanation of what's going on. God just needs stubborn people to say it out loud so that they hear how stupid it is. He knows how stupid it is. He needs you to say it so that you know how stupid you sound. Oh, pastor, hurt us some more. Okay. But God told him, don't go with them. You're not to curse these people for they have been blessed. No. He says, no. And you're not taking the money. No means no. The next morning he got up and he said to the Balex officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. I want to, you know, I want to help out. Lord won't let me, you know, pastor won't let me sleep with my girlfriend. Like, oh my goodness. What kind of a God do you want? Do you want a God that's like cool with sin, so you hurt yourself? Or you want a God to be like, hey, do this and live. Yeah. You think love is not speaking up when somebody's playing in traffic? That's, that's a God stubborn people make. Just, why are you hurting my feelings? So you don't die. Watch. Um, <laughs> they go and come back with more guys and more money. And then God, Balaam prays again. And and God does something in in a scripture you should read for yourself. I'm not going to get into it. He says, basically, like, fine. Go because you're going to go anyways. That's a a God that if you grew up in church and you've been making deals with God, you don't really understand that God will say, like, well, don't forgive your dad if you don't want to. But I can't forgive you because that's how it works. Don't budget and give to the house of the Lord and live under a curse if that's what you want. Don't come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins, but don't expect heaven because that's how it works, but do whatever you want to do choice. What? But he how you horrible monster. What, what are you talking about? He didn't make a robot. You want to be a robot? I don't want to be a robot. I want to choose to live. I want to choose to. I want to pardon this, you know? Okay. So the next morning he got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry he was gone, so he sent an angel of the Lord, this is real, guys, to stand in the road to block his way. And Balaam and the two servants were, uh, as they were riding along. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, a, uh, scary, and he bolted off the road into the field. If you were a donkey, that's exactly what you'd do. <laughs> Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. You think it's fun living with you? Man, your wife speaks some truth into your life and man, you just use it and you just, boom. You know what I'm saying? Beat the donkey and drive it right back to the same road. You think your kids love your anger because you're stubborn? Yeah, that is good preaching. Thank you, lady. You're a good man, lady. People could learn from you. Watch this. Then the angel stood in a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. Now, here's what I felt I needed to write for some of you. Some of you are between a rock and a hard place right now. Can I just suggest that you're between a rock and a hard place because you're not going in the right direction? That's where your road takes you. The way of Christ is not between a rock and a hard place. Oh, life won't be easy, but you will get the rewards of heaven. You will live a life that matters. And if you would change your direction... Your life would open up. Okay. When the donkey saw the angel, he tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Some of the pain in your life is not just because you're so amazing that everybody is jealous of you and they're trying to hurt you. Some is just because you're stubborn and people are trying to help you, but you're getting crushed by a wall. That's not, you know, your foot is not stronger than the wall. Then the angel st- uh, stood further down and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, though, when the donkey saw the angel it lay down under Balaam, in a fit of rage, he beats the animal with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me this three times, it asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, he shouted to his donkey. <laughs> you know, I think what would have been a normal response was like, how long have you been able to talk? <laughs> have you like always been... A- why is this coming up now? If I had a sword, I'd kill you. It's like, I want to be in charge of people, God. And God's like, Ooh, not yet. Nah, I don't know about that yet. Let's work out the stubbornness. And then the donkey, how do you sound like a donkey? But, yeah. But I'm the same donkey you've ridden all your life. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam lost an argument to his donkey. Because stubbornness makes you stupid. Then the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why'd you beat your donkey? These three times the angel demanded Look, I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Well, how dumb is that? One angel of the Lord in one night killed 185,000 enemy soldiers by himself. You are stubbornly, you think that you're just being stubborn in your home. You are not. You are being, a stubborn person is a stubborn person. Well, I'm not stubborn with everybody. No, but you are, especially with the Lord. Um. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away, otherwise I would have killed you and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Now David, when he sins with Bathsheba, and Nathan says, King, it's you. He said, I have sinned, and then he shuts up, because he's not stubborn. But stubborn people keep talking. He says, I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way, in the world's dumbest sentence. Thank you for speaking that. I didn't know that you were there, duh. Thank you for verbalizing how stupid you are. And then in the world's next dumbest sentence, he says, I will return home if you are against my going. Stubbornness creates a God with a lowercase g who negotiates. And you can grow up in church and create a Franken-Jesus that's not really Jesus because Jesus doesn't negotiate. You have what he needs, do what he wants. That's how it works. You're like, well, what if he hurts me? Good, God is the definition of good. Everything that he wants, I think thoughts of good towards you, not of evil to give you a future and hope. Don't paint him with the human paintbrush. Don't paint him with who you are. Always good always right, always will lead to your blessing, always will matter, always always so let me just end the story because you don't know how the story ends he goes he ends up speaking all these beautiful prophecies and blessing but then later he sidles up to King Balak because Balaam won't give up his stubbornness and his stubbornness causes him to slide up to Balak and he goes I know how to beat them, just send in the floozies What do you mean? Send in the girls who sleep around. And they slept with the men of Israel and Israel joined their religion through it. And a plague breaks out and kills 24,000 because Balaam wouldn't give up stubbornness and his gift was used by the devil to hurt the very people he was sent to help or the worship leader next next week costs nearly 15,000 Israelites their lives because he wouldn't give it up. Are you tired of having your foot crushed? Are you tired of being unusable? Are you tired of watching less talented people who are more flexible and have humble hearts be used by God to do more than you? Make a decision. Give it up. Serving suffocates stubbornness. You can sit there and partake of all the things, but until you serve, you won't suffocate stubbornness. Until you, your life is, until you don't come to church for you anymore, you come to for the person beside you. You come for the people coming through the door. You come for until serving suffocates stubbornness. Now, hopefully, we've made a church that you can't stay stubborn in. Here's one of my secrets in small groups. All our small group leaders are talking donkeys.